Welcome to Millennial Pagan Podcast. I'm your host, Autumn Wolf. And I'm Jarrah Stone. And of course, we have in studio, backed by popular demand, very, very popular demand, <laughs> Papa Dill himself. We got Tim back. Woo! What Tim. up? What up? <laughs> oh, how, how are you doing? Um, eh, you know, pandemic aside, everything is going decently well. I mean, I've got, uh, I've got a, a book I just published and my family is getting ready to completely move out here to, uh, Yay. North Carolina with us, which we're super excited for. Nice. Yeah. That's got to be exciting to finally have everybody back together again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for all of us. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. How are you doing, Autumn? Well, I guess now is the time. I have a big announcement for our listeners that will change nothing for you, hopefully, except that we're going to be taking our winter break a little longer and starting it in November. Patreon supporters already know what I'm about to say, so they're not freaking out. But I am moving to Indiana. Woo! <laughs> Notice the... the- the genuine joy in that voice. Yay! <laughs> I mean, at least it, at least it's not like you know Northern Kentucky. So there's that. <laughs> it's kind of Northern Kentucky. I'm going to um, be in the South Central zone of Indiana. Snow. So yes, that is basically North Kentucky. Everything south of Indianapolis is North Kentucky. I swear. <laughs> it's only mm-hmm. far away from Indianapolis, so it's not yeah. that bad. But yes, it is below Indianapolis. So like I said, nothing should change for the podcast except that we are going to be taking our winter break in November. So our last episode will be our full episode for October. Patreon supporters will still get a mini-sode in both November and December and their Christmas present. We don't know what that will be yet. If you have suggestions, send them in. So if you want to become a Patreon supporter so you still have monthly content, Go ahead and head over to Patreon at Millennial Pagan Podcast or Pagan Pod and go under the $5 a month deal. And that's how you'll get those pieces of information. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. So, Jara, how are you? Uh, Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Just got work to do and getting ready for the for the spooky season. Spooky. Yeah, I mean, I, I know, I, I know, our listeners can't see, but I'm sitting inside of a black void. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I decided to to jump into jump into some different realm this uh, this time. It's better than having a giant U-Haul box right behind you. <laughs> that is that is true. I've done some uh, Zoom interviews, and they're like, "Wow, you really are in the mists of packing," and I'm like, "Yes, I am." Thank you for uh, pointing that out there. Yes. Well, and see, I've got like, you know, my window behind me. So we kind of all three balance each other out. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. The sun, the moon, the move. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, so, Tim, we asked you to come back and we kind of gave you a dealer's choice on subjects. So why don't you yeah. tell our listeners what you decided that we need to talk about? Well, um, one of my passions and in my personal beliefs and faith is all about tricksters. I absolutely love, love, love them, mostly because of, well, I mean, I'm kind of a trickster myself, but <laughs> the, the tricksters really get a mixed rap. I mean, it's not necessarily bad and it's not necessarily good. It's mostly misunderstood for the common masses, I guess I should say, because typically what they think about when you say trickster is obviously Loki from the Marvel's universe shows and movies. And, you know, while Loki is absolutely a fantastic example of tricksters, there are just so many others out there that most people don't know or don't even think about as tricksters. So mm-hmm. that's what I want to talk about. Nice. Sounds like fun. So who is your favorite trickster and why? Uh, well, I mean, Loki's on my necklace, mm-hmm. mostly because you know, I, I have a very, very high Norse and Nordic 
heritage that I am just getting back into. But I mean, really and truly, my favorite when it comes right down to it isn't even a deity at all. It's a uh, German folklore trickster from the 17th and 18th centuries called Till Eulenspiegel. He is, yeah, I know. Eulenspiegel, right? He's also called Jester Till or Jester Dill. Um, I know there for a hot minute there was a Netflix cartoon movie about him. So definitely uh, go see it, see if that's still on there and check it out. But he was a common man that like throughout his entire life, all he did was make fun of those who were in charge, especially if they were being stupid. He would throw poop at them. He would tie their shoes up and throw them on the church steeple. And yeah, he was just, he was an ass, but he was only an ass to the people who deserved it. Ah. Nice. Years ago, when I was still a student at ASU, I took a course that was all about tricksters led by uh, Dr. Lawrence Ellis. The man is, I mean, number one, me and him just got along great because, you know, I was closest to him in age than the rest of the classroom. (laughs) (laughs) That's always fun. And his syllabus was actually very well laid out because it's it started off with what is a trickster? And I guess that's the best way to start is what exactly is a trickster? There is a document which I will share with you guys afterwards that is written by a person by the last name of Hines called Mapping Out the Characteristics of Tricksters. Where in which they say the heart of the the trickster traits are sixfold. There's fundamentally ambiguous and anomalous personalities, which you know is basically the trickster is kind of very vague about everything. They don't necessarily have a set moral compass. The second is a deceiver or a trick player, which. You can obviously see in many things. One of my favorite things to point out in the deceiver and trick player is Bugs Bunny. <laughs> yeah, most people don't think about him yeah. as a trickster, but oh my god, he was such a trickster. Mm-hmm. Shapeshifter number three. I mean, obviously, there the 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 most popular shapeshifting story is Loki turning himself into a mare and getting impregnated and thus giving birth to sleep near the eight legged horse. That's yeah, I love love that story because it's all like clop 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 clop. Anyway, um, <laughs> pony sex. Oh goodness. Yeah. Um, okay. Side note: Never ever ever look up sexy centaur. I'm just saying it's n- no, just no. <laughs> I, I yeah, I've done many panels at comic-con and i gave that i gave centaur to one of my panelists and she looked up sexy centaur and she's like why why would you do that to me um <laughs> my roommates already got a glimpse of my deviant art and thinks i'm weird so no i'm good right um yeah. so the fourth thing is a uh, is a trickster is a situation inverter they like to take the good and make it into bad and also make take the bad and make it into good. And really, it all comes down to what their motives are personally. Uh, they are also, point number five, messenger or an imitator of the gods, which some people don't know, but Mercury slash Hermes a.k.a. the messenger of the god, was also the trickster of that pantheon, those pantheons. Mm-hmm. And, and it came mostly in the form of him swapping around messages just for fun. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that makes yes. sense. Right? There's also a uh, African trickster by the name of Ishu, which I don't know how many people out there listening have ever played Changeling the Dreaming from the White Wolf gaming system. Ishu was one of the classes that you could play, and they were a trickster slash messenger as well. So that was taken directly from the African mythology which I will get into some really cool stuff about African stuff in a little bit. And the final thing is that they are tricksters are often considered sacred, but also at the same time lewd because the trickster, (laughs) 
Yeah, they they just they just love to take the, the social norms and just completely throw them out the window. It sounds like Deadpool would almost fit into the trickster category. There's no doubt that Deadpool is a trickster. No <laughs> doubt at all. I mean, <laughs> when they originally wrote him, they intentionally wrote him to break the fourth wall and to be the most profound but most profane mercenary <laughs> So, yes, Deadpool is a trickster. Tom and Jerry are considered tricksters. Bugs Bunny, uh, like I said before, actually most of the Looney Tunes can fall into the trickster category. Disney, they didn't really do too much with tricksters in their original cartooning. Mickey Mouse could be considered one because he was always playing tricks on Pluto and, and Bluto, I meant and, you know, other characters, but he wasn't necessarily too much of a trickster as Bugs Bunny was. That's that's the main defining point between the two. Um, he, he wasn't a, a devious trickster, trickster. He was more of a wholesome trickster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, if you watch yeah. the cartoon Mickey in Wonderland, he was doing all kinds of little fun <laughs> tricks and stuff like that during the entire cartoon. Yeah. So, yes. So the biggest and most prevalent in the Disney archive of this, you know, aside from the modern stuff is uncle Tom's cabin. Uncle Tom's cabin was based on the Remus tales from way back in the 1800s. And the Remus tales were actually brought over with the African slaves from not only West Africa, but also from the Caribbean. And those tales back in the day were called the Anansi tales. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And I know that many people know about Song of the South, the Uncle Tom stories, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of people who haven't actually watched the movie because... (sighs) So I've seen it. I have seen the movie as an adult. And while I understand the social justice issues with it, because they were painting a light that slaves were happy go lucky and singing and dancing and all that stuff. It was actually a very important part of not only American history, but American culture as well. That is being just completely railroaded out Mostly because, and the reason why I say it's cultural is because of the Br'er Rabbit stories. I mean, how many people have gone Mm -hmm. to Thunder Mountain and been like, well, who's all these crazy characters and don't really know the full story behind Br'er Rabbit? Splash Mountain. Thank you. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which I know they're supposedly rehauling that and getting rid of Br'er Rabbit and all of that. But whatever. I mean, the mouse will do what the mouse will do. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So the Br'er Rabbit stories actually came from the Anansi tales of African descent. And these are stories that they would sit around at night and tell each other about. And the main pro slash antagonist is Rabbit or Hare. Rabbit and Hare was a major trickster influence in most of West Africa and because the rabbit would often play tricks on, you know, the good fox or the good lion and the rabbit would be all mean and nasty to them. And so those stories eventually evolved and Harriet Beecher Stowe started writing them down as a very important anthropological necessity because with these stories being mostly oral traditions there was no written account so without harriet beecher stowe and writing down the uncle remus or uncle tom stories we we wouldn't have bugs bunny at this point honestly mm-hmm. because the warner brothers have said that they they used the rabbit because of you know because of the old stories and whatnot as their main trickster figure And so I find it interesting that in Africa, the rabbit was considered a trickster and the fox was considered a... The good guy. 
the good guy. But if you go across the Mediterranean Sea up into France, Reynard the Fox was the main trickster figure of the folk tales there. And he was the one who was constantly, you know, doing all of these things to everybody else to, you know, play tricks on them. I mean, that's part of where the phrase sly as a fox comes in is from the French stories of Reynaud. And then you come over to North America and the main trickster figures that are over here are Coyote and Raven and Nanabojo and so many others, but they don't consider the hare a trickster. So I think it's very interesting when it comes to the anthropomorphic aspects of tricksterisms. It's just kind of all over the place with who or what is considered the trickiest one of them all, so to speak. <laughs> the trickiest one of them all. Yes. Which, of course, we all know is Loki. Um, <laughs> I was going to say Coco Pelli, but I guess that's because I'm still here in the desert. Coco Pelli, yeah. And a lot of people don't know about Coco Pelli, especially if they don't have, they've never been out to the desert and to New Mexico and Arizona and even the Sonoran area of Mexico. Because, I mean, yeah, sure, he's all over the place for us out there. But back mm-hmm. east, when I was a kid, I had never heard of Coco Pelli. Oh, yeah. Well, one of the things that I learned pretty much right after moving out here was that the Native American languages that are just in your everyday life are so different. So like I'm from Dahlonega, Swanee, and those kinds of Cherokee languages. And then I come out here and I see the word Awatuki and I can't figure mm-hmm. out how to pronounce it. And I'm like, how? <laughs> and, and my boyfriend at the time had Blackfoot and him and his grandmother spoke Blackfoot. So he was just like, it's Awatuki. Can't you figure it out? And I'm like, no, no, I can't. <laughs> and then I show the word Dahlonega to anybody who grew up here. And they're like, da 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 I don't know. And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, but then we have places like Table Mesa Road. Mesa Mesa. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, apparently there's a hill in Ireland that like when the Norse came yes. in and were like, what's that called? And they were like, hill in Gaelic. And they were like, okay, hill in Gaelic and hill in Norse. And then the Romans came and went, what's that one called? Gaelic Hill, Norse Hill. And they were like, okay, now Roman Hill, we're adding to it. And so its name is like Hill, 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 Hill. Yes. Hill. <laughs> Everyone's just like, language matters, peeps. Oh, yeah. It's just Hill. It's so just hell. Hill. Hill, 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 we Hill. Don't know, we don't know why you care so much about this Hill. But anyway, <laughs> language. You know, I mean, there are so many. I, I personally love etymology. I'm constantly going, ooh, what is it? What's the origin of this word? Where does that word come from? And, uh, you know, it's it's surprising sometimes to me where certain words come from and what they originally meant. Like, you know, and this actually kind of gets into the next point. Ooh. Yes. In Segway. Segway. Meet me. When you get into the ancient Middle Eastern religions and cults of the day, there, there was, I mean, obviously everybody knows what a succubus is. A succubus is, quote, a demon in female form that will come and, yeah, do things to guys. The origins of the word succubus and incubus actually come from Latin, believe it or not. And uh, the, the basic verb roots come down to position where you are lying. A succubus is one who lies under. An incubus is one who lies on top. Now, along those same lines, concubines, which most people consider as a mistress or a side piece, whatever, a concubine was actually equal So they lied next to each other. So there's just a little bit of etymology for you. Succubus under, incubus on top, concubus alongside. So back to Mideastern stuff. One of the main tricksters that they talk about in ancient Babylonian mythology is Lilith. Hmm. Ooh, We all hear Lilith and we're like, ooh, mother of monsters. I mean, yeah, sure. She absolutely was a primordial she-demon that created many of the monstrous 
critters and whatnot, according to their ancient law or lore, I should say. But she, with her being a trickster, they say that there is, according to certain Hebrew mythology, she was also the first wife of Adam. Mm-hmm. In books that are apophrical. Yes. One of the things that I found out about Lilith is that the word lullaby, getting back into mythology and etymology, the word, word lullaby comes from ancient Babylon. It translated to Lilu Baye, if I remember correctly, or I might be mm-hmm. mispronouncing it, but the Lilu Baye was a song that the mother sang for their child to keep the monsters away. It was the Lilith Begone spell. And that yeah. has evolved over the years to be the word lullaby. Which makes sense because there's the story that she would cull or take half of all of Adam and Eve's children. And she was the original reason, like they would blame SIDS on her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, with her form of trickery, it was definitely more along the sacred line. So she was venerated and uh, upheld as a major deity back in the day. And unfortunately, after the Council of Nicaea. <laughs> Damn that council. The first, oh. the second, the seventh. Right. Yeah. For the Council of Nicaea, they, they changed her from being a goddess to being just straight up a demon. So, yeah, there's that. Another one of my favorites, another one of my favorites, goes into recent Disney lore with the movie Moana. <gasps> Yes, Maui. Maui. Yeah, Maui Maui was just, uh, I did a a panel on tricksters at Comic-Con three, four years ago or so. I don't remember exactly when, but I I focused on Maui to talk about the fact that, you know, I mean, yeah, sure, he's in pop culture now, but did you know that he's like super awesome otherwise? Because, you know, that's how you talk to people at Comic-Con. And <laughs> um, it's true. It is very true. Right? All right. Should I start practicing? Do we need to do a Dragon Con panel? Yes. Yes, we do. Because, you know, I'm me and you will be in driving distance. We could do this. It's 11 hours for me. That's 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 like one day's drive to get there. I, I not only have plans to go there, but I also have plans to sell books there. Well, So, anyway, Maui. (laughs) In the song that uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote, You're Welcome, that Maui sang, there were so many little bits of actual Polynesian mythology that he brought in. You know, uh, he took out his hook and pulled up the islands from the sky, from the sun, from the ocean, from the sea. sea. And then he pulled the sun closer and he you know uh, made the winds blow better for them so obviously he was not without his faults i mean the story of him stealing the heart of tefiti and teka coming around that was just like a giant conglomeration of a whole bunch of stories put together and i know that the polynesian government and the elder tribe actually gave their okay for the movie because it was, you know, Maui is such a very important part to the Polynesian people that they wanted to make sure that they were not seen in a negative light. Yeah, mm-hmm. Disney really worked hard on this one to make sure that it was not appropriating, that it was appropriate. Exactly. So. Yeah. And they did that with Frozen, too, where they went to the indigenous peoples and said, right. we want we want this information to be correct. We want to be respectful. We've made mistakes in the past. We want to make sure we're moving forward with our best foot forward. Which so, makes me happy. So applauds. Yes. All yes. hail the mouse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying all hail the mouse. The mouse has some problems. So if you have Disney Plus talking about this time of year, they have this really great little like Prop Masters episode specifically on The Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm, yeah. And I watched it last night. It was beautiful. 
Yeah. Go watch that. That was great. Okay. Okay. Well, I have to wait for my kid to come back home from work so that we could watch that because he is yes. super all about Jack Skellington and he would oh, kill he us. Oh, he would love it because, anyway, yeah. continue. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. Exactly. Another trickster right there, Jack. Yeah, Jack Skellington, based, absolutely. Based on Irish tricksters, Jack. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And then there's like a whole slew of Irish tricksters out there. I mean, you can get into <laughs> Puck, you can get into Mir McLannan, you can get into Braun. To some degree, the Morgan are considered mm-hmm. tricksters as well. But, you know, we can, we can get into a whole talk about triple deities, but that's not that's not today. Today is tricksters. Yeah, triple deity, I think we need to, like, do that later someday. Yeah, right, right? No, all about it. I'm all list. about it. Yes. <laughs> so, let me think here. In Russia, there was Ivan the Fool. He was a mm. human trickster that was kind of like Till Eulenspiegel to point out the flaws in Russian society, so to speak. Not to be confused with Ivan Grozny, Ivan the Terrible. So, Eastern tricksters, the biggest one, Sun Wukong, the Monkey King. Oh, man. Y'all one have of my it. favorites. Mm, if y'all have not watched it yet on Netflix, The Legends of the Monkey King, there are two seasons out right now. It's amazing. Phenomenal. Oh, oh. Also, the movie Forbidden Kingdom? Yes. Yes. Starring both Jet Li and Jackie Chan. Jet Li plays the Monkey King in it. And oh my gosh. The first time. That was actually my my introduction Mm -hmm. to the Monkey King. Well, and like the first time, since he's such a stoic actor anyway, when he first smiled, I lost it because it was just, <laughs> it, oh, so amazing. I mean, he just lit up the screen with his smile. Oh, yeah. It was that polar, cheeky trickster grin mm-hmm. that literally just lit up. And I'm like, oh, I need to know more about that character. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> and if you all haven't seen it, I think... I know it's on one of the streaming services right now, so definitely take a gander at uh, Forbidden Kingdom. It's it's a great coming of age story where it's it's all about an American boy who wants to learn the gong fu, but he has to go on the typical hero's journey to find out. Uh, oh, it's on Peacock. Okay, thank you, dear. Which, by the way, Forbidden Kingdom honestly has some of the best fight sequences. Oh my gosh. That I think has ever graced the the silver screen. Yes. My roommates just watched it, so I caught clips of it because I was in the middle of packing. Wah, wah. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you, you have two of the Kung Fu martial art greats. Mm-hmm. You have Jackie Chan and Jet Li, you know it's going to be a phenomenal fight sequence. Oh, absolutely. And then on top of that, the the they had a I can't remember I can't remember his name right off the top of my head, but it was a uh, a choreographer, a fight fight sequencer that's actually worked on like some of the biggest Chinese Japanese martial arts movies ever. They actually had him come down and actually do the fight sequences. So even just for that, it is phenomenal. That must have been a really fun, like, just environment for all three of them to be working together. Oh, yeah. Well, and if I remember right, that was the first movie that they were both in. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's crazy to think that here these two huge action stars which by the way Jackie Chan is totally a trickster these two huge yes. action stars had never been in a movie together until then and it was mm-hmm. the perfect story for them so back yeah. to russian yes. gods russian or slavic actually not just russian uh the slavic god velas was also considered a trickster he is the Chthonic or underworld god, whereas Perun was the Oronic or overworld god, the god of the sun, um, the thunder god. And he was the main opponent. Velas is the main opponent for Perun. I have, unfortunately, there is not a huge, huge amount of information about Slavic deities because of communism coming in and just destroying the culture. There are still 
several pockets of believers out there that still do all the old rites. Lilu, the goddess of fertility, she still has several different festivals that are held in her honor. And she was actually made a patron saint in the Russian Orthodox community. So St. Lilu, she was one of the few that survived the purge after Christianity and then communism came in. But Vilas might or might not be an important figure in my book series. Mwaha. Mwaha ha 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 ha. Just a little tidbit there. Just sprinkle them throughout the episode. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the perfect way to do it. <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the, yeah, no, I can't say anything else. No. Okay. <laughs> we'll wait. We'll, we'll hold it. <laughs> so, yes. He's very much been attributed and changed to being a Lucifer like figure a satan like figure in um recent which bt dubs lucy original trickster in christian mythology oh yeah yeah i mean how many different names did that deity have holy cow which technically he wasn't a deity he was an angel but you know it all depends on how you look at everything well give it a couple more episodes yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) i'm in the middle of that season so give it a couple more episodes (laughs) (laughs) the most recent one (laughs) oh my gosh i have not finished i think i'm in the third season of lucifer right now so i'm still working through it okay i had to stop and go back because stacia and jackson were both like well i want to watch it too and i'm like son of a (laughs) bee i just want to see it (laughs) okay we'll start over um (laughs) yeah pretty much (laughs) Yeah, if you haven't seen the episode with Lilith yet, I feel like they did kind of a disservice. I feel like they could have used her a lot more, but I also kind of see where they were going. Right. Because I feel like Eve had such a huge piece of this puzzle that they could have brought in uh, Lilith to be a major character and they decided not to. But at least they touched on her. Right. Well, and I appreciate the fact that there are more shows that are painting Lilith in a different light other than, you know, just the Mm -hmm. demon and mother of monsters. I mean, they did a decent job with her on Supernatural. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and it's also very interesting to me how recently they have taken Lilith and equated her to the wife of God, of Yahweh. So mm-hmm. it's 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 interesting to see how that mythology changes over time again, mm-hmm. because one of the things that I've been looking at, speaking of Lucifer, is going back through the history and seeing how he went from being God's second in command to mm-hmm. being a rebellious angel and being cast out of heaven And, you know, where did the name Lucifer even come from? Right. So I am personally working on that research right now to maybe even, you know, write another book. What? (laughs) (laughs) I've already got the title. It's Lucifer, the mythology of the morphology of a name. Anyway. um, (laughs) Well, you could dive into the morning star. You could dive into Samael. Yep. And then you could, of course, go everywhere with all of his different names. And well, and, and the biggest one is also Satan, mm-hmm. with Satan coming from the original Hebrew of Satan or Hasetan, which just meant an adversary or the adversary. Mm-hmm. It didn't necessarily say this was the end all be all ultimate bad person. Right. Because originally when the Hebrews started their beliefs, if you go back far enough, there was only one deity. There was only Yahweh. There was only the creator of all things good and evil. And it didn't come in until the Canaanite and Babylonian occupation that the idea of a duality came in. But that's a topic for another day. Definitely. But after touching on Lucy being his trickster self mm-hmm. and deciding to be a snake, what kind of German deities, if we're going to move across here? Ho, ho, ho. Yerman. I mean, Ooh. obviously, you've got the uh, Teutonic deity of Loki. 
There is, oh shoot, where did I put that? German folklore. The Pied Piper mm-hmm. is a trickster mm-hmm. from German folklore. Yeah. Uh, they also had Reynard the Fox, which in Germany they called him Reinke. Uh, no, I didn't mean to exit. What were we talking about? <laughs> Tri- trickster gods. <laughs> Do we need to move away from Germany? Does Germany and Germanic gods go? Mm, yeah, we're done. Yeah, pretty much. We're moving on from there. <laughs> yeah, let's let's come over here to North America. We. <laughs> yeah. Wee. So I already mentioned a few before the Ojibwa trickster Nanabujo. He was a human trickster, not necessarily a god trickster, uh, but he got to the point where he went from being just a human figure to getting godhood granted upon him. There's a lot of tricksters out there that also follow the same path. Maui is one of them. He was a human raised by the gods and eventually became part of their belief system. Then you've got Tananabujo, you've got Wisagijak, you've got, oh gosh, there's so many in lore from the uh, the people, as I like to call them, instead of Indians. It's such a terrible term. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Coyote, very big in the people's mythology. And I know there are several tribes that still practice, so I'm not trying to offend anybody by saying mythology. I just say mythology for everybody, even for mm-hmm. uh, the Christians and the Jews, because it all comes from myths. It all comes from tales and stories, and it's mm-hmm. not a bad thing. It's just a classification. Oh, I forgot about him. Ooh. Sorry. That's South America. Hue, hue, coital. Oh, we'll get to there uh, in a second. Yes, yes. Anyway, Coyote is probably the most widespread because he encompasses most of the plains, the southwestern portion, as well as, you know, getting up into Canada with with the uh, natives that lived up in Canada and aboriginals, aboriginals. Ooh, I like that one. <laughs> and then when you go over to the Pacific Northwest going up into up through that entire western side of Canada, you have raven or crow that come into play as tricksters. One of my favorite stories is how raven got, quote unquote, burnt because originally he was beautiful, all white feathers, very pearlescent, opalescent colors. He, he shone with the multiple colors of the sun. But he fell in love with Eagle's daughter, according to one of the stories. This comes specifically from Pacific Northwest. I don't remember which tribe. I'm sorry. Cree, maybe? Anyway, no, Cree is uh, Eastern. Anyway, he fell in love with the uh, daughter of the Great Eagle. And the Great Eagle was the keeper of the sun. And he kept the sun in his hut all day long. But, you know, Raven really didn't care about that. Raven just wanted to get some eagle loving. And (laughs) she, too, felt amorous attention towards him. But Papa Eagle didn't want anything to do with that. So Raven (laughs) snuck into the house one day and stole (laughs) the sun and threw it up in the sky, which is how he got turned black and burned. And it was a way for him to say, hey, you know what? You might have the son. You might have your daughter, but I'm here to tell you things are going to change. And so not only was he a trickster in the respect that he had to play tricks to give son to everybody, but he also won the girl out in the end (laughs) and, you know, got burnt. Um, yeah, it's sad. Also, but Coyote always ends up dead, doesn't he? Yes. Much like the Acme cartoon character, the Warner Brothers cartoon character of Coyote, Coyote ends up dead a lot of the times in his stories just to bounce back and be like, I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) I really need to stop buying Acme anvils. Right. (laughs) (laughs) 
So yes, the the character of Coyote was definitely based off of the uh, original stories because oh gosh, there are so many. I mean, he, my my professor, Doctor Ellis, spent like two weeks just talking about different Coyote stories from all of the different tribes, and it was it was so fantastic. I mean, I. I hoped that he did it more for the fact that we were living in the Southwest and less for the fact that, you know, he was a fan of the Warner brothers, but I'll never know. <laughs> now, if you slide further North into the Inuit beliefs, one of the tricksters that I have recently found out about and kind of fallen in love with is Mahaha. And Mahaha is a more along the lines of a demon trickster he has blades for fingernails and literally tickles people to death (gasps) yeah you don't want to be caught by mahaha which might or might not tie directly into arthur pack's liquid dreams which is available to purchase right now through (laughs) barnesandnoble.com plug 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 number two. What? I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, you didn't choose this on purpose. What? I mean, tricksters definitely are a big part of my life. So obviously, my writing will reflect what is nearest and dearest to me. So, oh, there's so much coming going on in the book series in my head. Oh. That's part of the problem is I get these amazing ideas and I write them down and then something happens and I can't actually flesh it out fully. So, you know, to, to, yeah. yeah. So Mm -hmm. I have at least five books worth of material right now. The, the first part of the world of Arthur Pax is going to be a five book series and Ooh. then there's going to be more after that. Yeah. So that means go out and buy that first book, guys, so that he can keep doing all five. Yes. So being tickled to death by Mahi Mahi. Mahaha. I'm sorry. That's a fish. Mahaha. Yes. <laughs> Mahi Mahi is a fish. Being tickled to death by Mahaha is a bad thing. Super bad. Yeah. Mahaha. Mahaha. But you see where I get, maybe it's like the same language. Okay. Anyway, continue. No, see, what, what, what most people don't realize is that the Hawaiian language and Welsh used to be part of the same language branch. It's just there was a schism in the tribe and the Welsh people kept all of the consonants and the Hawaiian people kept all the vowels. Oh. No, I'm kidding. That was totally made up. <laughs> 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 it sounded it sounded too good to be true. Yeah, it was like it, you just delivered it like a professor. I was like, okay, uh, no. What? I was like, this doesn't really make sense, but okay. I told that to one of my archaeology professors before, and she's like, "Good luck proving that." And I'm like, "Damn it! Someday I will." Now, if we if we come down further south. Yes, South Tricksters, Um, going down into the ancient lands of the Incas, Aztecs, and Mayas, the biggest Mayan tricksters were the hero twins. And it's really interesting because this particular myth has been preserved in its entirety completely. The story of Hunyapu and Shablanque in the Kichi language, the twins were identified in the art from the classic Mayas. So like anywhere from 200 to 900 Anno Domini or CE current era. Uh, the, the, the twins have a lot of reoccurrences in what they did. Uh, one of the biggest ones was they defeated the villain Seven Macaw, who had built up a following of worshipers among the inhabitants making false claims to either be the sun or the moon and was super vain about everything. So the twins tried to dispatch him multiple times. And the first time they snuck up on him while he was eating his meal and they shot him in the jaw with a blowgun. And so seven Macaw was knocked down out of the tree, but only wounded. And as Hunapu tried to escape, his arm got ripped off. 
Yeah. I mean, it's like super very, very brutal and everything that happened with them. So definitely read up more on the Hero Twins because they featured a lot and they were featured a lot in the Mayan stories. Now, earlier I mentioned Huehuecoil, however it's pronounced, Huehuecoil, Aztec mythology. He is the patron of uninhibited sexuality. Yeah. <laughs> now, he was definitely more of a benign prankster because mm-hmm. he played tricks on other gods and humans. But just like Coyote, the tricks often backfired on him. So he tried to help people by shifting their fate because he was a shapeshifter, too. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, a lot of people would actually pray to him to reverse their fates. And so he, if you can equate him to one of the North American tricksters, he would absolutely be closest to Coyote because of the position that he was in. So, yes. And I know, like, if you go over to... Australia, they also had their tricksters. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was it? It was... Ba-dum-bum. Well, Crow. Bampana. There we go. That's his Bamapana. He was specifically for the Yolingu people of Northern Australia. He was just straight up a trickster god that caused discord. He was obscene, profane, and often committed incest. Oh, <laughs> Well, I mean, he'll be fine with the Romans then. Hey, now. Hey, now. So, yeah, there's there's just a slew. And I know there are so many that I haven't even touched on. Like there there's there in every culture around Mm -hmm. the world, there is at least one form of trickster, whether that takes the form of a deity, a anthropomorphization of an animal spirit a spirit itself or even a human who just raises himself into godhood, so to speak. And, you know, I mean, we could talk for an entire day about Loki and his trickeries, mm-hmm. but I, I, I urge the listeners out there to, you know, do a little bit more research, dig a little deeper, gotta dig a little deeper. And, you know, find out, find out a little bit more about the tricksters that are out there. For me, my, my big ones are uh, Loki Coyote and Till Eulenspiegel. I mean, I don't necessarily worship him, but I do love to talk about him. So You appreciate his work. I do. Yeah. I do. Especially since <laughs> at the Arizona Renaissance Festival, my first job on cast was to be the King's Fool. So I very much took on the role of the trickster out at fair. And Mm -hmm. I was able to use a lot of my knowledge and understandings of the tricksters to help create a fun character to play. Yeah. Well, everyone needs a little bit of comic relief. Every story needs that, that comedian. It's true. True. But every comedian also needs a straight man. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because it's not comedy if somebody doesn't take the fall. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Yes, but the fool is a very important person, not only in the major arcana of tarot, but in court in the medieval times and in Renaissance era times, the the fool had so much knowledge but was also able to bring laughter and cheer and but at the same time he also was a uh, confidant and secret keeper specifically will summers king Henry the eighth's fool he oh my gosh i am so glad when in the uh, tv series the bolins was it bolins the Tudors, sorry, the Tudors. They actually brought in Will Summers for several episodes when Henry had himself locked up 
And I'm like, thank you. Thank you so much. Because he was a very important part in not only Henry's life, but Elizabeth's life as well. Because he he took on the role of not only the jester to help make fun of people, but he also took on the role of basically uncle to Henry's kids. And there was a painting where he was actually painted in with the royal family. Hmm. So jesters and fools and, oh, oh, there's another one. Polish jester in the 1500s. Stanzik is his name. Just one word. Stanzik, like yes. Madonna. Yes, Stanzik. <laughs> there was a very famous painting drawn of him in 1862 by Jan Matieko. And the story behind the painting was that King Sigmund I, or the old, Sigmund I the old, was the monarch in charge during his time as jester. And the painting is spectacular. It shows him, the, the fool, sitting behind the throne, kind of rumpled over in defeat, holding a letter. And in the background, there is a full party going on. Well, this painting depicted a treaty of war that had been signed and sent over that day. And Stanik was the one who read it before giving the news to the king. So even though they have a very important role in keeping up the levity and, you know, pointing out fallacies in the monarch's ideologies and whatnot, because that was another role of the jester, but they were also harbingers of bad news. So it goes back to jesters, tricksters also being messengers. So my biggest thing and the reason why I prefer patronizing the just the trickster deities is because there's always a lesson to learn. Always mm-hmm. a lesson to learn. That is the biggest takeaway. If anybody else takes anything away from my rambling and crazy tr- thought train is that the trickster always has a lesson for you to learn. You might not want to learn it. You might be pissed off at the message, but it is definitely something important. So if you've got any of these tricksters popping up in your daily life and affirmations and they just keep showing up, coming to you in dreams or whatnot, you better listen because your boys mm-hmm. and girls are all about trying to help you out grow as a person. Yeah, they're trying to give you a message with the least hurtful or harmful or hard way to do it. They're the messengers that could give the bad news in a nice way. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how much time do we have left? <laughs> well, I think you you've gotten us through. Sweet. Yeah. I was I was yeah. I was actually going to say I think that's going to be it. Yeah, that was a great you you ended it nice and smooth. I think with that nice little that there's messages to listen to. I think that was perfect. It was like we're awesome. going to do a story and then bring it home. It was great. Home it's run. Funny. Most of the time, I don't plan for anything like this. I just go until I'm like, and I'm done. <laughs> and I'm done. Yeah, no, you touched down. Yay. So let's, uh, all right. Well, um, Tim, thank you so much for being on. I think that was really, Absolutely. um, I had a lot of fun. I hope all of our listeners, they always have fun when you come on. We oh, always get comments. Stop. We love having you. <laughs> So you keep like plugging this book. Tell us yeah. about it before we sign off for the day. Well, give us the page spiel. So short version is last year, last year before last year before last, I had an idea of souls escaping the underworld through water by looking at mist rising from a pond one crisp winter morning. And <gasps> it just kind of, evolve from there. So the book series is the, well, I mean, I'm calling it the world of Arthur Pax right now on Facebook, which yes, I do have a page. You can always find it. The world of Arthur Pax, P-A-X. Arthur Pax is a regular guy. He is a researcher and does lectures and talks about various folklore and mythology subjects. Shocking. It's like I'm writing about (sighs) myself. 
And that that's his everyday job, but he is also a member of an ancient secret society of alchemists and magic users. And he personally does not have the ability to, to wield the mystical arts, but golly gee, he can sure make a potion. <laughs> so he definitely focuses more on the alchemical side of everything. And the first book, Liquid Dreams, is basically a missing person's case that could have lasting ramifications globally. So that's pretty much all I'm going to say about the synopsis. But mm-hmm. yeah, like I said before, you can purchase it currently right now on barnesandnoble.com. The listing on Amazon got a little messed up and my publisher is working to get it fixed. But apparently Yay. it's it's uh, it's just being a nightmare because Amazon is not the most forthcoming with help in that area per se, mm. but mm-hmm. definitely available for purchase on barnesandnoble.com. It's also listed on Goodreads and several other places like that. You can follow me on Facebook through the world of Arthur Pax or beep, beep the squeaker gnome or far from home, which far from home is my band. And yes, there is going to be an Arthur Pax album in the future. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> nice. has to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, I, I can definitely see Arthur Pax uh, definitely wanting a churro for a dollar. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yes. who doesn't want a churro yeah. for a dollar? It makes I us all holler. I got two dollars. <laughs> got two dollars. Give me two churros. Mm. Great hand. <laughs> Hey, now, don't be double fisting the churros, because that's a little too much sugar there. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. Fine. I'll share. So, yes. And this is the beginning of a a five-book cycle, like I said. Each book will tackle a different theme. I'm not going to say what the overall theme for this is, because that's kind of a spoiler for the people who did the pre-orders for the book, which I I promise anybody of my pre-order people who listen, I swear I'm just waiting for mailers to come in so that I can mail them out to you. I promise they're coming. And there's, 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 there are benefits of having pre-orders for the book because the people who pre-ordered the book are beginning get, getting a little bit more insight into the world of Arthur Pax. And there's also a little bit of a riddle to figure out, so to speak, as well as some fun alcoholic recipes. You can still order through me if you want to be in the True Believers Club with Arthur Pax. And that's, that's what we call our secret alchemical society, the believers of uh, the mystical arts and alchemical sciences. And... Coming up soon, I'm working on a Patreon for the world of Arthur Pax. <gasps> yes. Whoa, yes. Yes. So Which will, those links. Oh, definitely. The Patreon will have the Monster of the Month Club. It will have short stories about the world of Arthur Pax and some of the subsequent characters, as well as other little fun things that will uh, will come come out every month. I also should mention my amazing and fantastic and wonderful publisher, Line by Lion Publications. They took me on because the owner knows one of my relatives. And so she read through the manuscript and she's like, holy cow, this is perfect for us. So, yay. If there are any independent authors out there listening who would like to get in contact with Line by Lions, I can absolutely give you all links and the hookup and everything because like me, they're, they're just a small time publisher. You know, they're a small business and they could really use help and support from anybody and everybody that's out there. Fantastic. So Jara, where can they find you? Listen to you do that stuff. Uh, of course, I'm on the uh, the Instagrams under Haggard Haggard Cosplay underscores between all those words. I'm on TikTok, AZ Silent Bob underscores between all those words. And then I think that's it. You should just be. Oh, and, and Twitter. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Twitter, Jarrah Jer- Stone. No underscore. Yeah. And you can find me Autumn Wolf on Facebook. And well, you can find me on Twitter. I can't say I've posted anything off of Twitter <laughs> in like forever. Uh, you could also find me on WordPress. I keep forgetting Iron about Wolf Twitter. Circle. 
right? Buffer public pushes our magical Mondays onto Twitter and that's about it. So if you're following Millennial Pagan Podcast on Twitter, you're getting the same information that you would get on Instagram and Facebook. However, there might be more words because Twitter has such a short word limit. So check us out on Instagram. We're Pagan Pod and on Facebook at Millennial Pagan Podcast. And I think we're Pagan Pod on Twitter as well, but you can find us if you search Millennial Pagan Podcast. Anyway, thank you so much for listening, going this far. Thank you to Tim for coming back as always. He did save my butt by being here today (laughs) well thank you guys for having me on here i absolutely love coming on here and chatting with y'all because you know you're good people and we want to talk about your book and push your book make other people read your book yeah it's okay ah, he's (laughs) he's being so nice and anyway Marry me. Mary part. And, and Mary meet again. It wasn't you who said meet this time.